Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Come on. How fantastic is that? You know, I love the Olympics, but that to me is 10 times better. I'm so much more inspired, to be honest with you. When I, uh, when you, and then you, you follow up, if you click around, I found that, you know, somebody sent that on a Facebook or whatever, and I clicked around and read some of the stories of some of these people who basically, at different times, life has handed them cards, and rather than complain about the hand they've been given, they've dealt with them as they are, and they've, they've made some choices, they've made some decisions, they've not just sat around and complained about it, but they've decided, all right, I can't do this, but I can do that. Yes, I can. There's some things that I can do. And uh, there was one I watched, it was like this guy who was a footballer, and then he had to have his, his uh, leg amputated. And then he's like our, one of our champion rowers. It's like he switched. He made a decision. He made a change. And rather than thinking about the things that he couldn't do, he decided to make the changes to be able to do. And he actually said at the end of it, you know, if I could go back, I'd, I'd still not have that leg. I'd still have them take that leg off because of the, the things I've been able to do as a result of that. Fantastic. How many of you know two people can go through exactly the same thing completely differently? Because the choices change us. It's the decisions inside of us that determine our destiny. It's the things that we decide. It's not the things we go through. It's not the events in our lives. It's not the environment around us. It's the decisions. It's the choices. It's how... We don't just manage, but actually decide to thrive in some way. And what we're in is a series called The Summer of Change, and we're looking at the book of Ephesians, and soon we'll be done. And then um, we're going to be looking at Ems Hancock, who's over there, very wonderful Ems Hancock. She's written a fantastic book called Insecurity, Insecurity. And when I read it, I thought, this is such a great book. We need to do this as a series for our church. And we've had other books, so why not use one of, a, one of somebody from here? So next Sunday, across all the sites, you're going to be able to buy Ems's book. And then we're going to be breaking it down. We're going to be running, looking at that over a number of years. It's a really awesome book. So uh, bring some money and be ready next week to be able to buy that as we, uh, the week after, start doing that series. So... Changes, summer of change. What kind of changes are we talking about? Well, what kind of changes are actually worth making? What kind of changes are actually worth making? Because some changes you can make, God's not interested in making changes that are just purely cosmetic, that don't matter, that are just on the surface. And why would he bother with those kind of changes? And there's some changes, the changes we're talking about, are changes that last, changes that make a difference long-term and actually for the rest of our lives. Because we've all known what it is to experience a temporary change, to feel like something was getting better, but then we took two steps forward, now we take about five steps back, and we're sort of thinking, well, I think from now on I won't even bother. Maybe we can give up a little bit, because the change that we expected didn't bring about the change that we wanted. And so what can happen is people stop attempting, stop dreaming again, stop deciding to have another go at changing it. And so you kind of think, well, you know, I, I did try. I tried to stop smoking. I did try to lose weight. I did try to uh, get out of debt or, or whatever it is, but it didn't work. Maybe actually what happened was you didn't work it. 
Maybe it worked for a while while you were working it and then you start working it. And then it didn't work. Because it's about what's going on inside of us so often. And we're not waiting around for things to get better. Because you know what? They probably won't. God's not interested so much often in changing our circumstances. But he's very interested in changing our characters. It's not what you go through, it's who's going through them. And God's speaking to us about that in this series. So... I know, looking back, whenever God has brought about any meaningful change in my life, as I look back now, I see that very often it started with a challenge to me to raise my standards. That's been what it's about very often. It's like, okay, are you going to set the bar higher or are you settling with where you are right now? As I look through scripture, I find time and time again, I'm reading it, God is telling me to not try harder. This isn't about, now I'm going to get you to, to try harder. This isn't about try harder. It's like the little guy says on this film, it isn't about trying at all. It's do or don't do. Turn to the person next to you, look them right in the face and say there is no try. It's do or don't do. It isn't about try, it's about what you do and what you don't do. This is what choices that make a change is all about. There is no try today. The Bible's not about try, it's about what you do and what you don't do. And Ephesians has been saying for chapters and chapters, he's been going through this, all this kind of stuff to prepare us for the challenge. He's been telling us about how much God loves us and the power that he's got for us. Now he's got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead to enable us to make the changes that we need to make in our lives. And it's like, if God could do that, what can't he do in you? If you'll fully yield yourself over to him, what changes can he make? And now we're going to get into the second half of Ephesians and he's going to be pointing out some things in my life. And he does that because he loves me, not because he hates me, not because he wants to judge me. He's doing that to point out these things because he wants the better version of me that looks more like Jesus. That's ultimately what it's all about. He just wants me to look more and more like his son and to love more like him and to be more like him. That's what he wants from me. And he doesn't want me to waste a moment of this new life, this fresh saved life that he's given to me. He doesn't want any of it to be wasted. So there are some things, therefore, because he loves me in my life, as I'm tracking in my life with him, God's going to come along and he's going to say something, he's going to point something, he's going to say, I want you to raise your standards. I'm not going to accept, I'm not going to, I don't want you to tolerate anymore some of those old ways of thinking and being and acting that you used to get away with. Because, yeah, I'll keep on blessing you, I'll keep on loving you, but you've been saved for better than that. You've got a new life now. I gave my life so you could have a new life and now you belong to me. Because he loves me, he wants me to become more of what he saved me to be. More of who he saved me to be. He wants me to become more and more like Jesus. And that difference, he wants it to really make a difference, not just in my life, but in, in the lives of so many other people so I get to influence more people. And when we talk about change, therefore, in this summer of change, we're not talking about changing circumstances. There's no point thinking either that you can change anybody else. You know that, don't you? It's about changing me. This is the person that God wants to work in. And God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit to enable all those changes to take place. And then it's in changing yourself that you discover the power to be able to change a city, a country, to change the world. And God says in today's 
passage from Ephesians. This is a kind of central idea in the passage. We should be careful, he says, how we live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of the time. The kairos word is there. Opportunity time. Making the most of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Are you making the most of the time that God has given you? Once we understand to, that we have to do that today, there's no point in thinking about yesterday. Don't even think about tomorrow. Today is the day that you're going to make these decisions. We start to understand how, it, how true it is that we overestimate what we can change in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. That's one of the reasons why in a, in a little while we, we, we've got this um, fantastic opportunity, the, the, the Leaders' Day at Ivy that I'm going to be speaking at. I'm going to be talking about some ideas around a vision God has given me, some blurry vision around what we can do for the next 20 years. And I'd encourage you, if you're in, interested in leadership here at Ivy or involved, please join us for that day. It's going to be a trajectory setter for the future. But the choices and decisions that we make will have, and in fact are having, a compound effect. They roll on massively in your life from now on. Your whole life is shaped in moments of decision. Best decision I ever made was the day that I gave my life over to Jesus Christ. I was driving a car and I basically said to him, from now on, I want you in the driving seat. I don't want to be in charge anymore. The choices you make will change everything. They will affect and shape how you feel, how you think, how you act for decades to come. Look back over the last 10 years. Think back. Were there times when a different decision would have made such a difference, would have radically changed your relationships, for better, for worse, a career decision that maybe you decided to make or you didn't make or the decision that you made to get married or not to get married or to, to take on a debt or not to take on a debt, to buy a house or not buy a house, to, to do something. And was it a wise decision or was it a foolish decision or was it wrong decisions? Maybe you decided to get married or you decided to get divorced. Maybe you listened to a, a sermon or you read a book and something in there spoke to you and you decided to make a change. And that's why you're here today. Maybe you started to say, instead of I can't, I can't, I can't, just say, actually with God's help, I can. And that starts to change all kinds of different things. Did you make an investment? Maybe, maybe I say you bought a home or, or did you invest in yourself? Did you decide to start exercising? Or did you decide to stop exercising? Did you decide to, uh, to start smoking or stop smoking? Did you, all these decisions have a path. They have a direction of travel that we started to walk on at some point in our lives. We made a choice and then we kept on walking down that path and we ended up where we are now. Decisions determine destiny. Decisions. It's not about how much I might hope something happens or figure out, oh, I'd really like it if this happens. No, it's your decisions that in the end determine your destiny. And that was a fantastic clip. And at the beginning, I can. Because we know some people are born with more advantages than other people and some people go through some things that other people don't have to go through. But in the end, the difference is what's on in the inside and what God's doing on the inside of us. And Jesus says, you can. I heard a great talk years ago by a psychologist, Christian psychologist by the name of Dr. Henry Cloud. And he said, based upon his work and his research, the way that he actually saw this fitted into scripture said, there are actually three categories great categories in life and actually three types of people in some ways according to these ways of thinking and believing and behaving only really three categories he said and you have to make decisions about the people that you're investing your life with because the crowd that you run with is going to determine where you end up isn't it so much that's true there's a guy called Jim Rohn who said you are a composite of the five people you spend most time with 
So you better make sure one of them is Jesus, aren't you? you? Better make sure lots of time is spent with Jesus. Henry Cloud didn't make this up. It's right there in the Bible. But if you, if you look in Proverbs, you're going to see this. And I think you're also going to see it in Ephesians 5. There's three um, decisions which are represented by our lovely three buckets here. There are wise, evil and foolish. They're the three categories. And I know we all hate to categorise people, but he says basically there's three types of people. And we can all be a mixture of these things, but some people kind of settle into one of these as a, as a, as a career. <laughs> they just kind of are that kind of person. They become that kind of person. So what's the categorization he would say, of a wise person? Well, he says when a wise person, when the truth comes to a wise person, the light, if you like, shines on the wise person. What they do is they, they go, oh, and they accommodate themselves to the light. They adjust themselves to the light. They think, all right, I can see that that's going to help me. And so they turn their life towards the light. That's how they respond. That's why in Proverbs 9.9, it says, correct a wise person and he will be what? Wiser still. It's like a wise person adds to their learning. Are you wise? Now, this has got nothing to do with how intelligent you are. This isn't about IQ, this is WQ. This is wisdom quotient. It's listening to the truth and when the truth comes, do you hear it and adjust and do something different? Don't just agree with it, you do something different as a result of it. See, if I find a wise person, for me, that's easy. I wanna pour into that person. I want to invest into that person. I wanna spend time with that person because it's not wasted time with that person. I wanna do whatever I can. Please, if you're a wise person and we can add to your learning, be there at that leader's day. Let's help to grow as leaders together. And then there are, whoops, fools. Now a fool is different than a wise person. See, a fool may be the cleverest, may be the most gifted. In fact, in many ways, that might have got them where they are. They've got so far with that. And in fact, being a fool, you can still go quite a long way because of your gifts and your talents. Here's the problem. When a wise person has light coming to them, has truth coming towards them, they adjust themselves to the light. But a fool, when the light comes to them, what they want to do is they want to adjust the light. Because it's like, oh, bright light. <laughs> Hurts my eyes. Ah, Move the light. It's blinding me. I don't like the light. I don't want the light to shine on this. Because it hurts my eyes. It's like, oh, stop it. You Don't put that light on me. You're making a mountain out of a molehill. You're judging me. They shoot the messenger. That's what a fool does. You bring light to them and they're like, don't say that about me. Who gives you the right to be able to do that to me? Yeah. Fools shoot the messenger, which would be you. And they get angry and they sulk and they go off into a corner and they complain. And maybe they get all kinds of other people around them and they join in that complaint with them. And they can split a workplace, they can split a church. We've seen this happen. Now this person is not evil. We're going to talk about bad in a minute. And actually, despite years in the police and in ministry, I don't think I've actually found many people over the years that I would categorise in the evil camp. There's been a few. But over time I've met with people and I've been trying to help them. And they've asked me to help them. This isn't like I'm just barging in. And then I've realised, we've counselled them and met with them. And then you realise actually... You're not really listening, are you? Because we're just going round and round the same mountain. We're just going back over the same problem again and again. And actually the problem that you think is the problem is not the problem. The problem is you're not doing about anything about the problem. Well, and the question with a wise person would be, 
What can I do to help? How can I help you? The question with a foolish person has to be at that point, why are we having this same conversation? Why do we keep on saying the same thing? Why are you wasting your time and my time? Because we've had this conversation like 50 times. Maybe it's time you started to change and do something different. Don't talk about try, it's do or don't do. See, it says correct, advise, rebuke a wise person and they will listen and they will consider and they will thank you for it. That's what it says, Proverbs 9, 8. You know, they maybe change a pattern. They'll act differently from now on in their attitude or their behaviour. But the same verse, same truth, the same verse says this, do not correct a fool or he will hate you. Anybody know this is true? Don't point at anybody right now. <laughs> this is like, don't waste your breath. They stop listening. There's no point having that same conversation with the same person. You need a different kind of conversation from now on. Here's the principle. Fools don't change when they see the light because they want to adjust the light. In fact, fools often will only change when they feel the heat. When the circumstances get too much, eventually they decide, oh yeah, maybe I need to change. Maybe something needs to change as a result of this. The good news is, the Bible says Jesus came to save fools and we've all been foolish at some point in our lives and maybe we're being foolish right now but you know, God came to save us. And a friend of mine, Tony Price, who mentored me for years, he used to say, I was a fool for so long, I might as well now be a fool for Christ. And then some people are evil. I'm not going to spend very long on this but there are, bad, there are some bad people in the world. You can't reason with them. An evil person, Henry Cloud said, is basically somebody who's just decided to devote themselves to your destruction. They, have, they just want to cause you pain. They, they want to hurt you. It's irrational maybe. There's no reason for it. But what do you do with an evil person? Well, don't treat them like a wise person because they're not wise. They're not going to change. Don't treat them like a fool because you, you, it's just what you need to do. Protect yourself. That's what he says. Just protect yourself from that person. He actually says, if you need to get a lawyer, get a lawyer. If you need to call the police, call the police. Do whatever you can. Do not put yourself in the position for that evil person to keep on hurting you. Because ultimately when you do that, you're being the fool. You're not living like a wise person. You know, this can happen in churches. That's why Paul wrote to this guy called Titus about somebody in the church who was acting like an evil person, causing division. And he said this, warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time, and after that, have nothing more to do with them. Does that sound like wisdom? I think that's wisdom. You might think it sounds unloving. I don't think that's unloving. I can think, actually, I've been in 20 years of doing this stuff. I can think of four times when I've had to do this. I've had to warn a person and warn a person and actually say, now, I'm putting some protection in place. I'm going to kind of quarantine you because I'm not having you infecting the rest of this body. I've warned you and I've warned you. You're not listening. Now we're going into protection mode. We've actually done stuff here. We've had, you, you probably, you wouldn't have been aware of it where there's a time when we had to say to somebody, we, we want the police to be here. And the police were just here at one point because of somebody who was threatening us. That's why one of the reasons we're doing a fire drill next week. And you might think, oh, that's a bit of a path. Why are we doing a fire drill? It's because we want to keep people safe. There are people who we know from the papers might want to destroy Christians and hurt them. So as a result of that, we're trying, not because we've heard any threats or worries, we're not trying to do that, but just to be wise, we're trying to do what we can and to formulate plans across all of our sites for how we can best protect people who come and just want to worship Jesus here. Is that okay? So we'll ask for your cooperation with that next week. 
So I want to use that framework. I think it's a great framework now for the decisions that we make. Not just about categorising people and what we might fall into, but actually about the decisions that we make. And we're going to look through some actions and some attitudes here that are in the reading of Ephesians chapter 5. And as we go through this passage, my lovely helper John is going to be helping me. We're going to go through and we're going to talk about whether this is wise or foolish or evil. And you decide. And this isn't hypothetical because to be honest with you, you're making these decisions all the time in your life. You're going to be making these decisions about some things that you'll do, some things that you'll not do. Based upon not what everybody else does. Not what everybody else says, but on whether you think and whether God says, is it wise, is it foolish, or is it wrong, is it evil? See, I, can, I can't imagine how my life would have been so much better if I'd paused over some decisions in my life beforehand and actually asked this question. It's a great question, isn't it? Isn't it a fantastic question? What's the question? Is it? Is it? Is it? We're not talking about good and bad here. There's more distinctions than that. Verse 1, here's the motivation behind it. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love as Jesus Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So there's a way for you to live a life of love and it starts with knowing who you are. I'm, a, I'm loved by you and God is a, a good, good father and I'm his precious child and he wants me to imitate him. That word imitate is what we get the word mimic from. You know, kids want to be like dad, don't they? They want to mimic him, they want to imitate him. And that's great. And the next verse talks about some things that we can do and whether or not we do them. And this is three words, they all start with I. And this is a kind of I, I, I. I, I, I way of living. Three words we're going to write down, John. And then we're going to put our big question to the audience. Are they wise? Are they foolish? Are they evil? They are immorality, impurity and idolatry. All those words are found in our passage. The first word, immorality, gets translated up there as fornication. You never hear that word these days, do you? It's from a Greek word, pornia. Wonder what we get from that. This basically means lack of sexual control that leads to sin. Anything is within that category, is, is pornia. Next word, impurity. The Greek word akatharsia means uncleanness. It means anything you do and you feel dirty afterwards. If after a while you don't feel dirty anymore, maybe it's just because you stink. Maybe you should feel dirty. Maybe you need to change and be clean. Uncleanness. It's used 11 times in the New Testament. First time is when Jesus uses it to talk about a dead body rotting in a tomb. All of the other times in the New Testament it's used, it's used of sexual sin. Something that makes you feel dirty. And then he says greed, which you might think, why are we saying that's idolatry? That's because as you read on later in the passage, he says, and greed, which is idolatry. It's interchangeable for God. An idol is anything that takes God's place in your heart. The Greek word there is pleonexia, which literally means... Never satisfied. My mum used to say that about me. I'd be having my tea. Oh, can I have another couple of potatoes? You're never satisfied. <laughs> oh, you're never satisfied. Well, this, this word is linked. In old, old translations, you might see the word covet. What's that from? Ten Commandments. You shall not covet. What does it mean? Wanting something that isn't mine and I can't have and shouldn't have because it was never mine in the first place to want. So he said, don't covet anybody else's wife. It's not your wife. Don't covet her. Don't covet somebody else's house and his car or his job or his stuff. Just don't covet it. 
Don't be not satisfied. So in our society, those three things, would those be things that our culture would condemn or celebrate? I think they pretty much celebrate most of those things just about 24-7. When was the last time you heard anybody condemning sexual immorality or coveting stuff that isn't yours? These things get celebrated. So is that how we're going to make our decisions as people who want to imitate God? Or are we going to imitate the crowd and everybody else? So, audience participation. We're going to ask our question. Hold up the three words, please. We have. I'd, immorality. Is it wise? Is it foolish? Is it evil? Foolish. Okay. Impurity. Wise, foolish, evil. Foolish. I mean, it's got to be foolish. It might even be evil. What about idolatry? We're going to put that in the evil category because basically... That's the base root of so much sin and trouble in our lives when we put something else in place of God. Then it's verse four. And if they were about your eyes, I, 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 this is about F words. F words. Three filthy words. He talks about three words. Filthy words, foolish words and flippant words. You don't need me to tell you what obscene is. Just turn your TV on. Filthy words. Foolish words the Greek word is morologia. We get moron from that. <laughs> like silly talk, talking like you haven't got a brain in your head. Just, it's like just saying whatever comes into your mind. Like, well, I just speak whatever's in my, whatever I think. Well, maybe you need to think before you speak. And flippant words. The Greek word there is eutropelia. That word literally means twist easily like twisting words have you ever met somebody and whatever you say they can find a, find a way to twist it and make it into like a double entendre make it a little bit dirty it's like ooh missus you know all that all the time about the stuff that you're saying that's eutropelia that's what it is the opposite of that is eucharistia which is thanksgiving we, we sometimes in some churches talk about communion and talk about the eucharist because it's a thanksgiving so can we put Thanksgiving down there too as well? And then we're going to ask. You know, this is just about being grateful, isn't it? Grateful to God. The antidote to wanting what you haven't got is being grateful for what you've already got. So wise, foolish or evil. Let's ask the audience, John. Remember, we've got to make these choices, not just here, every single day of your life this week, you're going to be making these choices. Okay, let's have a look. Wise, foolish or evil. Let's go through them. That's it. Filthy words. Wise, foolish, evil. Foolish, let's put it in the foolish. Okay, we need a bit more. There's like one person shouting, to be honest with you. Anybody at the back? Hello? Can you also respond? In a minute, there's a bit in this passage that says, Wake, O sleeper. Okay. Foolish talk. That's got to be in the foolish. Okay, that's pretty obvious. All right, what's next? Sorry, John. Flippant. Foolish. Could also be evil, couldn't it? You know, if somebody's just trying to say something innocent and you're the person who's always making it sound dirty, that's not good. Okay? I'm going to put that in the evil. No, 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 thanks. Yeah, take it out of there. Put it in the evil. Just because I want to. Next one. Thanksgiving. Wise. Wise. Yes, we like that one. Okay. Good game, good game. <laughs> We're not going to write the next two words down. Basically, there's light and dark that appear in this passage. Read the passage with me. You're going to see how, the, how decisions determine destinies. Number f- verse 5. Be sure of this. No fornicator or impure person or one who is greedy, that is an idolatry. That's the I, I, I crowd. 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be associated with them. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. The word here about partnerships and, and, and taking part with other people, it's, it's basically saying, don't enter into such a partnership with somebody that you end up sharing in their sin. Yeah. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and is light. Therefore it says, sleeper awake, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Are you awake? Are you awake? Say to the person next to you, wake up, sleeper. Wake up. Great. Let's fo stay focused. A few more minutes on what God's trying to say to us. Now, if God shines a light on something and you say, oh, I don't want to shine a light on that, and you're trying to adjust the light, what does that make you? A fool. Now, we're going to get to the central issue. We're going to see our three big choices are put into just a couple of verses, and it's the big question. What about this week, every week, Every decision we took, we ran it through this filter. Is it wise? Is it foolish? Is it evil? How much pain could we save ourselves? How different would your life be? How could you make the most of your life if we put this big question as our filter? Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as making the most of the time because the days are. So do not be, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What's the will of the Lord for your life? He wants you to know it. He'll show it you. And the next verse, he sums up the two ways to live. Don't put it up yet. In one choice. This is like a test case. And before I put that up, this might hit a bit, a bit close to home. Because there are some sins we think, oh, that's a terrible, obvious, bad sin. And we can point those out, especially if they're ones that we don't struggle with ourselves. But Paul's contrast is one that, if, to be honest with you, if I'd have preached on this even a year ago, I would have skimmed over this bit because it would have felt a bit personal for me. I would have felt a bit uncomfortable. Just being honest, okay? Now, you need to know that in those days, in Greek and Roman societies, like Ephesus, the way people tried to get in touch with the gods was that they'd go in the temple and they would take drink and they would take drugs and they would get into these frenzies. And that was how they connected to the gods. So in verse 18, this is what Paul says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. Don't write the word drink, just write the word drunk. Because I believe Christians can drink alcohol. Last year, around November, I went on a weekend with some friends of ours, and actually, by the end of a long day, I'd had drink. Quite a lot of drink. I knew I'd had enough drink that the next day, I said to Zoe, do you know what? I think I'm going to stop drinking. And she said to me, you can't. You've never not drunk. You always drink. And I thought about it and I thought, actually, that's probably true. I can't think of it. Looking back to 16, I probably couldn't think of a week when I hadn't had a drink at some point or probably a number of drinks. And then I made a decision. I made a choice. And I'm not pushing this on anybody else. This was, for me, however, it became one of the best decisions I have ever made, I think, in my life. I stopped, I stopped drinking alcohol completely since then I had a cocktail on Zoe's birthday. Didn't even like it. I've had two half glasses of wine since. Don't miss it at all. All. It's fantastic. And I've lost a stone. 
and my blood pressure's way better. My heart rate and my pulse rate is like 45. Unbelievable. And I wake up every morning ready to go for it with Jesus. Not with a hangover, not with a regret, not with a taste like a, inside of a wrestler's laundry basket in my mouth. <laughs> so I'm not saying don't ever drink. But, again, this is a personal choice. He says if you get drunk... It leads to debauchery. What does debauchery really mean? It literally means a waste. He says it's a waste. Waste of money, waste of opportunities, waste of time. He says, don't be foolish before this. He says, make the most of your life. Don't waste any of your life. Don't waste a moment of your saved life living like you're not saved. Getting drunk as if, as if Jesus isn't enough to make you happy and joyful. As if the Holy Spirit filling you isn't enough to, 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 so you can have a good time. It's like, why would you do that? Don't go and get overpowered by drugs. Don't get overpowered by drink. Get overpowered by the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you know, rather that, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice both of these are commandments. Do not be drunk. Do be filled. Do or don't do. There is no try. I made a decision that day. I tried before. Not done successfully to give up drinking. I stopped trying and I didn't. Just don't do it. That was the decision that I made. Because I decided at that point, Jesus, I want you to be enough for me. That's it. And he is. And you know how sometimes when you've had a drink and you think people don't notice, but they do notice because it's noticeable. I remember I arrested a drunk driver once and he, he ran off into the crowd and tried to hide and I thought, it's him and I went over to him and he was standing there like that. And I went over and I said, you, you were driving that car, you're drunk. And he said, I am not. I am an innocent stiebander. <laughs> Did you know you, you can be filled with the Spirit so it's noticeable, can't you? There's a spirit you can be filled with and it's noticeable. That's how God wants us to be. He wants us to be so full of the spirit like they were at Pentecost that people noticed. And that doesn't mean necessarily just falling around the floor and twitching and all that kind of stuff. He's talking about joy. There's something that, so when you're singing like up here, it's not just karaoke songs. It's this kind of song. It's psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart. Joy to the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, getting drunk. Wise? You make the decision. You might make it now. What are you going to do on Friday night? We're going to have a time for a practical response now where you can come and get a card and write something down and put it in a bucket. And it could be for you, or it could be a prayer for somebody else who you are praying will perhaps make a wiser choice than some of the choices that they're making right now. There are choices in, the life, in our lives we are always going to have to make and actions that we're going to have to take. Ethical decisions about jobs and family and relationships, the people we partner with, the money we spend, the places we go in real life and in the internet. About what we put into our body, about what comes out of our mouths. If the Lord has been speaking to you today, it's time for you to respond. Please stand. Please stand if you're able. First wise choice I'm inviting people to make today, if you've never done this before, is to basically say, I want to give my life to Jesus. And on this table down here, there's a card. You can fill it in and just fill in your details. And basically, this isn't about I'm going to try and be a good Christian. No, it's do or don't do. 
is do what Jesus says, put your trust and your faith in him and say, I'm going to follow you from now on. Just fill this card in with your details. And when you've done that, please come and take it and put it in the wise box. Because there's nothing wiser you can do with your life than give it fully over to Jesus. If you've never done that today, do it today. And that's the first choice. And you can decide as you're doing that. You know, actually, it doesn't matter about the foolish and evil things I've done in the past, to be honest with you. Jesus loves me and he wants me to make this wise choice for the future because this is going to determine my eternal destiny from now on. So fill in that card and we'll get in touch with you and we'll tell you about some next steps. If you go over here, we'll give you some book that I've written that helps you to understand that, to get that new life. Another wise choice is actually you could just write, I'm thankful. I want to, I'm going to thank God for something. Maybe there's somebody you want to thank God. Thanking God attracts more and more of his blessings into your life. So is there somebody, is there something you can write, thank you to God. Put that in the wise bucket. Is there something foolish or evil? And this is about drawing a line in the sand today. Not try is do or don't do. Something that God has put his finger on, maybe he's done it recently, been speaking to you about it. Because he loves you, he's been saying, I want you to imitate me. I want you to be more like my beloved child. I don't want you living like it's I, I, I. I don't want your mouth to be full of FFFs. Give yourself back to me. And you could just write it down. You could put it in code. To be honest with you, nobody's going to go through the bucket and try and match up people's handwriting to what they've written on here or anything like that. Maybe it's a decision you're making. I'm going to go to Weight Watchers. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to try. I'm going to do it. I'm going to join the recovery group at Ivy. Be part of helping together with others to, to get some help for this life-controlling issue that isn't going to control my life anymore because Jesus is going to control my life from now on more and more. So that's the response. The band are going to come up. If God's speaking to you from where you are, please come down, get a pen, write something on a piece of paper, Write a word or a couple of words or fill in the card or whatever it is and just come and do this as a public response and as a thing that God sees about changes that you're going to ask him to make in your life today. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.